Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here we got Lucky. They don't chase you after a mile, they don't chase you. We're listening to an adrenaline-pumping car chase from the science fiction movie The Fifth Element. Behind the wheel is the protagonist Corbin Dallas, played by Bruce Willis, with the police in pursuit. But they are really pissed off. The setting, the streets of a futuristic New York. How futuristic? Well, the skyline is dominated by towering skyscrapers that reach up into the clouds, and Dallas, a former Special Forces operative turned cab driver, is piloting a flying taxi. Police vehicles are also airborne. In fact, all vehicles are hovering. How did we end up here? In the previous episode, we explored the potential of hydrogen as the fuel of the future, a fuel capable of powering cars, planes and factories, ready to replace petrol and boost the green transition by emitting only water vapour. Now we want to imagine what this future could look like, so we asked ChatGPT to suggest a science fiction film in which hydrogen was already used as a fuel source. In the 1997 science fiction film The Fifth Element, directed by Luke Besson, hydrogen is used as a power source for vehicles in a futuristic setting. And that's why we're here. Hover cars, including the flying taxi driven by protagonist Corbin Dallas, are depicted as being powered by hydrogen fuel cells. But the idea of encapsulating pure hydrogen into cells is not so much science fiction anymore. Almost three decades after the release of the film, engineers are focused on developing fuel cells that can be used in transportation to function like batteries. But wait a minute, ChatGPT. How do you know the flying taxi from the fifth element is powered by hydrogen? We'll make the fog. Apologies for the confusion. You are correct that the specific fuel powering the vehicles in the fifth element is not explicitly stated in the movie. That's why you shouldn't trust everything this one says.
Welcome to a new episode of Euronews Tech Talks. Today we're going to explore the potential of transportation powered by hydrogen with someone who is already applying it. My name is Michael Perske. I'm the CEO of Quantron AG. Quantron is a company based out of Germany, close to Munich, and we are a very early mover and we believe a tech technology leader in European hydrogen-powered transport and logistics space. Our producer, Marta Rodriguez, met him at the 2023 Web Summit last November in Lisbon, Portugal, after Quantum AG announced a hydrogen fueling joint venture with an investor called Oil Invest. The goal is to enhance the infrastructure for hydrogen-powered transportation across the continent. Just imagine that for a minute. A green solution to one of the most polluting and essential industries. Let's listen to the conversation. What is the current status of the hydrogen adoption in the European trucking industry? Well, we talk about a very, very early infant stage. I think if we compare it to e-mobility, we probably talk about 2010 when we saw the first Tesla Model S on the road. Um, today, they're basically next to zero players who are offering hydrogen trucks. Quantum is clearly one of the first. Um, we're seeing a very slow adoption in general of zero emission trucks today all across Europe because the logistic industry still operates on very thin margins. And whether it's electric or hydrogen trucks, they're more expensive than a classical diesel truck. So adoption happens slow, and adoption is still very strongly dependent also on national support schemes, whether they are CAPEX support, means one-time support from the government, or whether OPEC supports like uh, removing road usage fees. So we are in a very, very early stage of adoption of these new technologies, and we believe for heavy good transport, especially across Europe, hydrogen is a very solid source of energy to allow long-distance trucking to go zero emission. Okay, so I want to speak about two topics. One, if it is uh, Europe, one of the first regions embracing it, or if there is any other region in the world that we can look at it as an example. And the second one is about the cost, but we can start with the, with the region. And within region, uh, I want to know with, within Europe, what are the countries that are ahead in adopting this? As you rightly said, what is Europe uh, and what is the adoption speed and when do we get most traction? I think you could say no region in Europe right now is really leading because it's still happening at a very, very low level. Where we see initiatives, there was some government grants happening in Germany, which spurred some initial demand, but still on a very small scale. We see some initiatives here in Spain. We see uh, some initiatives in France. And we see also some appetite in Scandinavia. But I would say nobody in Europe right now is getting significant traction. I think we're still kind of scratching just the surface. And I, I think it needs a consolidated European approach. The Green Deal clearly was one of the accelerators. But we're still in a very, very early stage. We have 56 million trucks in European roads, light, medium and heavy. 56 million. So replacing them with zero emission solution, being it hydrogen or electric, 
will probably be a task for the next 20 to 25 years. For people to understand how important this is as a problem, could you tell us how this could make the difference, uh, how this could make a, in climate emissions? So if you want to have a comparison, what does a decarbonization of a truck really mean? The average 44-ton truck travels around about 100 to 120,000 kilometers a year, and it emits around about 150 tons of CO2, 150 tons of CO2, which is in the range of 100 to 400 passenger cars, which one truck replaces in decarbonization effects. On top, you have the NOx, you have dust particles and all that. So it's decarbonizing a heavy-duty truck is a significant contribution to decarbonization of a transport sector. And we were talking about uh, Europe, uh, as I was asking before, is there any region outside Europe that ahead of us doing this that we can look at it as an example? I think there's a very good question. Who is leading that on a worldwide basis? I think there's one very good example, that's California. Uh, I think we see a lot of initiatives happening in California. They had a very strict rule when trucks need to be zero emission, and it's between 2035 and 2040 rather pulling targets forward. The other place where we see a lot of initiatives recently is China. Uh, while China was initially only pushing electric trucks and buses, we now see also significant efforts to, to push the hydrogen fuel cell technology forward because they want to also become, again, leading the technology by itself. And therefore, the Chinese government now gives incentives also to deploy hydrogen trucks. I want to know uh, what are the obstacles. Uh, so I want to know about the cost, how to replace uh, your truck with diesel, for example, for a hydrogen one. Yeah, what are the obstacles in the way and how do companies and also truck drivers need to educate themselves to do it? I think that's a very good question. There are a couple of obstacles and some are real and I think some are perceptions. One of the first obstacles you rightly said is when can a truck be break even to a diesel truck powered by, for example, hydrogen? Around about 40 to 50% of the operating cost of a truck are energy. So the key driver is bringing the cost of hydrogen down. The cost of hydrogen today is across Europe 10, 12, 14 euro per kilogram. We need a strategic target of max 5 to 7 euro per kilogram. So then the energy reaches parity. The truck itself today is still much more expensive. This is where government incentives will help. And as you said, what are the obstacles? Yes, the driver could be an obstacle, but we believe that the use case using hydrogen is much closer than using diesel because you have short refilling times, you have long ranges, and you have no concession to payload or drive cycles. While an electric truck if it's really a long-range truck, has heavy batteries, five to seven tons, so you get concession on payload, and you need to recharge every three to 400 kilometers. So taking foodstuff from Spain or from Portugal all the way to Central Europe doesn't work with today's charging infrastructure. And that can much faster be closed with a hydrogen filling network. The truck industry is a traditional industry. The truck drivers in Europe, uh, the average age is high. They're quite old. They're not digital natives. They're not so used to this kind of transformation. Do you think this, is, this can represent also an obstacle in this uh, adoption? I think it's a very valid point, and you have explained it very well. 
the truck and logistic industry has a couple of challenges. First, it's a low margin business. So it doesn't have big margins which allow the operators to invest a lot into innovation. There are exceptions, like in Spain, a company called Prima Frio, very innovative company, but overall it's a traditional sector, right? Secondly, you said the age is rather on the upper end. Also the education, we are not university graduates, so you have, let's say, certain perceptions. And thirdly, there is already a lack of truck drivers all across Europe, with a lot of truck drivers coming from Eastern Europe or even outside of Europe. So it's, it's a structurally challenged industry. Still very responsible for our everyday food because it will be transported all across Europe. So clearly this is a hurdle which needs to be overcome and that needs a lot of education. It needs a lot of convincing. And at the same time, it, the truck driver need to feel they're driving the latest technology so they also their job gets upgraded. They feel good about it and they need to be properly paid. So I think we're looking at a structural challenge combined with um, ecological challenge. And I think these two meeting together for sure does not necessarily speak for fast adoption. And do you think in the near future when they will have to decide between electric trucks or hydrogen trucks, there could be more hydrogen trucks uh, in the European roads? Do you think that's like the way to go? Could be a combination between the two of them? But that's a very good question. I think it's none of the two technologies is the silver bullet. You need combinations. If you drive two, three hundred kilometers a day, you come back to base and you can easily recharge, then electric for sure is a very, very efficient solution. If you have two truck drivers who need to travel from Portugal all the way to Munich in one and a half days because they have very sensitive goods, very high-valued goods. And the transport is the lesser part of the margin, but it's all about speed and agility, and it's maybe even the tulips from Amsterdam which need to go across Europe. When we believe today hydrogen is a more reliable technology and energy carrier which can be easier be mastered for that specific use cases. So we believe that probably 70% to 80% of goods will be transported electric in the future, but there will be 10% to 20% which require probably a hydrogen solution because of turnaround times, refilling times, and cycle times. And Spain is aimed to position as a hub for hydrogen. That means that they are going to be pushing for it, and that means that uh, Europe is going to be willing to do it because, I mean, it's a resource that is going to come from Europe itself. So do you think that could also will be like an important boost for the hydrogen industry? Well, I think Iberica by itself, so Portugal and Spain together, have, for example, a strategic advantage because you have a lot of sunshine. You already have very cost-competitive renewable energy in Spain. So we believe that Spain and the Iberica will be a very good location for production of hydrogen, whether it's gaseous or liquid. Um, and you see big Spanish companies like Repsol and CESPA doing big commitments on hydrogen production, hubs, transporting the hydrogen either in a gaseous or liquid form across Europe, for example, to Rotterdam, and then supplying this hydrogen to multiple industries. So I think the Iberica for sure has a lot of opportunity. Northern Africa, for sure, Tunisia, Morocco. They have also the feedstock of a very high efficient solar industry where you can use solar panels to produce uh, cheap green energy. So I think, yes, that will be a democratization of the energy industry, moving from oil to new sources, and hydrogen is one of them. 
And I think we will see some other hubs like Scandinavia producing hydrogen with hydropower. So clearly, I think we will see new centers of energy production. I have two last questions. Um, one is for our audience to understand how hydrogen can work as uh, well for, for trucks because we try to have like the, these easy explanations uh, for them to, to understand because we talk about different technologies sure. and we expect, uh, we expect that they are not experts in any of them. Maybe uh, they are experts in AI. I, I like to give a very simple comparison. What is hydrogen against electricity? And I don't know if it was a gentleman from Toyota, from Hyundai, they said hydrogen is a little bit like the comparison of energy and hydrogen like milk and cheese. What does that mean? Milk, you have to consume fairly fast. And if you transport it in a liquid form, it's sensitive, it takes a lot of energy, and it can spoil very fast. If you take milk and convert it to, to, to cheese, especially heavy cheese, um, you can transport it easy, you can store it much longer, and it becomes more valuable. So look at hydrogen as a form of taking electrons electricity and storing it in the form of hydrogen, ideally liquid hydrogen, which has a high energy density and be easily to be transported. So I think this is a, a layman's comparison, but it works very fine because we have a lot of electrons today in Europe produced, but our electric grids are not made to store energy. They're made to transmit energy. So the minute you produce more uh, renewable energy, you will get peaks, sunshine peaks and wind peaks. And these peaks can today not be buffered in the, in the grids. So you need a buffering technology. And hydrogen is a perfect way to buffer energy in a certain form, keep it, transport it, and use it when you need it. I think that's a really good metaphor, yeah. I think our audience are going to appreciate that. The last question is the projection for the future. So when do you think we'll see more hydrogen trucks in the European roads rather than diesel or gasoline? Um, I think the hydrogen trucks will always be a minority. It will never be a majority. Because as I said, for last mile, the electric use case makes more sense. Always if the charging is not a, bo a bottleneck and the grid is not a bottleneck. But what we will see probably 10-15% of uh, heavy-duty trucks running on hydrogen in the year 2035-2040 because we will see that also the hydrogen production will get more efficient, the fuel cells will become cheaper. So we will probably see that for specific applications, hydrogen fuel cell trucks are the most suitable technical solution, but it will not be the majority. But in the niche, it will have a very unique uh, use case. And we just recently saw that Daimler has also a hydrogen truck powered with liquid hydrogen. And they did a run of 1,050 kilometers with a single fuel. And I think this is where we see these kind of applications, hydrogen for clearly wins. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you very much. Been a pleasure. That's it for this episode. I'm your host, James Thomas. In the upcoming episode, I'll be hitting the streets to collect your questions related to the hope and hype surrounding hydrogen. If you have any, please send them to us across Euronews and Euronews Next social media platforms. This episode is written, directed and produced by Marta Rodriguez-Martinez. The theme music is by Leo Lebrun. Sound editing is by Guillaume Carroll and sound mixing is by Mathieu Duchesne. 
Special thanks to the Lisbon Web Summit 2023 for facilitating the recording of the interview with Michael Pershke. Our editor-in-chief is Ali Isan Aden. If you aren't already, you can listen to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a positive review and, of course, sharing it. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.